Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. Uh, in this episode today, we are going to be discussing cinema and Herzog, everything Herzog. And like we've been uh, doing in the past few episodes, we're going to be talking about his masterclass lessons. Today, we're talking about lesson five. And with me to do that is Mr. Cullen McFader. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Welcome again to the podcast. Uh, happy to have you here. So let's just jump right in, will we? Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about financing first films uh, in Lesson 5. What a huge topic and one that we all struggle with. I think, you know, Herzog himself still struggles with this. Uh, I, and I, I don't think you ever get to a place hardly where you don't. And mm -hmm. it's certainly something that's a challenge and an obstacle uh, to sort out when you're, when you're first starting out. Uh, so... Wow, I think a lot of people here are going to have a lot of experiences of pain and suffering uh, <laughs> yeah. in regards to this one. And we can share some of our stories of pain and suffering and also hopefully triumph. But, you know, right off the bat, uh, Herzog comes out of the gate and says, if your story is amazing, then money will hunt you down. What do you think about the truthfulness of that in reality, sir? <laughs> What's um, your experience? <laughs> I think that it is untrue. Uh, I think that on a very basic level, um, if you had, uh, if that were true, then we'd be seeing a lot, um, you know, higher quality, huge budget productions. But we we don't see that. We often see those, you know, um, yeah. more more apt directors, or say the 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 ones that people consider to be the 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 big high quality people. Um, oftentimes, they themselves have to you know struggle you know, with the yeah. exception to to a few but uh but herzog being one of them and and other directors they definitely have to struggle to get their films it seems financed. it seems they do and certain it certainly seems like of course like many things are subjective but it seems as though many very poorly written scripts are turned into films as well um yeah. are yeah. they not so i mean i i would love to believe this and i certainly think in a general sense of course the stronger your script the stronger your story uh, the more likely you are to get it made i think that's you know it's some truth to that for sure um and uh, certainly the more passionate you are about your script the more you believe your script is exceptional the more you believe in it i think that by far and away the greater your chance is that you're going to get it made because uh, you're going to be there having to pitch your story having to convince other people that it's worth making and that passion is vital in doing mm -hmm. that so certainly from those perspectives i think you know kind of maybe philosophically what he's saying there's definitely truth in it although it may seem sometimes in a literal sense it's not always the case but i would certainly rather start out with the the best script i possibly could you know um mm -hmm. i mean it's the, there's so many obstacles against you it, it's certainly not a good way to start off with a crappy script trying to get that made yeah and i think even even on a, a you know the basic principle of it it's like you have to especially if you're planning on directing your own thing you have to be prepared to sell yourself too because kind of oh, for sure you as a part of that production for sure and and you know also too just to you know not only uh, let's say we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but even if you self-finance, you know, if you like Herzog talks about, you can make your own first film, a feature film for $10,000 in today's day and age. And you can, you can definitely do that with today's technology. Uh, but you know um, what that usually means is that you're working with a crew and a cast that's likely not being paid or are being paid very little. Mm -hmm. And you know, you have got to be passionate about your story and you've got to be able to convey that passion and mm -hmm. inspire 
all of the people you're working with. And the more you can do that, I think the better the quality of your film is going to be. But yeah, so whether it's even if you're not going to investors, and certainly you have to be able to sell your passion uh, and kind of get them excited about your story as well. But but even if you're not going into investors, you've got to do that with your cast and crew. So it's certainly vital. So, I mean, I can't imagine. It blows my mind. I, you know, I, tell me your experiences, but I've got to find a way to be passionate about my story. And, you know, kind of in that moment, that story has to mean everything to me, even if it's something that I've not written. I've been mm-hmm. hired. I've been brought on to work with. And and maybe it's not the story that I would have necessarily written myself. You know, it, uh, I've got to find a hook into it, though. I've yeah. got to find a way. And I, it's not I don't I would never want to say that I'm tricking my way, my tricking myself into being passionate. about it. I mean, I really have to genuinely find an angle, find a perspective, find a hook that gets me excited or I, I just can't work on it. Yeah. So, so I yeah. think from that perspective, like you've got to find a way to feel in some way like this story is like the you know an amazing story right oh totally without a doubt yeah um and i mean the the reason for that too is beyond just the creative decisions that you you make um as an indie film director you're going to wind up wearing so many different hats every hat. and if you are not just as passionate with the you know the post-production as you are with the production or you're not as passionate with marketing that thing as you mm. are with with choosing an angle on the on the day of or something like that yeah um then it's gonna it's gonna fall flat and that's that's basically yeah. it and I, I mean i've had those pitfalls too where it's like i i'm not a big fan of doing post-production sound um i i don't i don't really love doing it i like doing foley but when it comes to actually sitting down and mixing those tracks yeah I, I'm not a big fan of it, and it's so tough I've, to keep that. You know, I've had to kind of catch my yeah. I've had to ca- catch myself and kind of go go. You know, if I let this go, if I drop the ball on the even just the sound and post, um, this could severely harm the movie. Yeah. So um, so you know, you've got to find a way to be as passionate as you can about every single facet. Again, like you said, even if it's not necessarily your script um, and something that you've been brought on to do. Yeah, and I but I and I will say this too. Just you know, in in kind of the highest level kind of sense, you know, I think there is truth in what Herzog's saying, and it doesn't always necessarily play out literally, but, you know, that passion, that, that whatever that story is, in a way, has got to be to you the best story on earth in this moment. Yeah. And because that's the only, that, that passion, that intensity uh, is, is going to be the only thing that's going to be able to carry you through the entire process that is filmmaking because i mean it's it just takes such an extraordinary amount of energy and time and money and just you know it's such a process that that you've really got to be able to find a way to hold that in your head and heart like that and and spread that passion yeah um so you know i i think in that sense what he's saying is true uh but uh let's talk about so you know um there's so many different ways that you could finance your first films. Herzog specifically calls out uh, finance, self-financing. So he's like, hey, go work, save up money, uh, get get 10 grand in a savings account, and then you can, you can make a first feature film that way. Um, and it sounds like from Herzog's experience, this is what he did on his first few short films. He went out and worked and financed these films himself. Uh, of course, in today's day and age, we've got crowdfunding, you know, um, all kinds of uh, potential ways to invest. You could get just private investors, friends and family, et cetera, et cetera. What, were, what are some of, the, some of the ways that you finance some of your first films? 
and like oh, the successes geez. or um, failures that might have you know that you've your stories you can share from that i mean coming out of high school a friend of mine and i tried to crowdfund which uh didn't work out um mm-hmm. we were think, it, looking for uh well tell us a little bit about that yeah because i think crowdfunding you know it's something that a lot of people look to it's something that i've been i'm involved actually in a in a horror feature film right now we're actually in the process of uh, doing a crowdfunding uh, campaign for that, I can I can speak to that a little later. But what? Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about that project. Uh, this so was your was... Fir- was this the first film that you had tried to finance yourself? Yeah, te- I mean, okay. technically, I've made a ton of short films before, but they were all t- little kind of yeah, shorts kind of and things for like yourself. that. Nothing, nothing Just, huge. Yeah, right, right. Um, some of them had gone to festivals, but like you know, not nothing big. You know, nothing came of them essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so this one was we were trying to get five grand to make a a, sh- a longer form short of a shorter form short that we had done as kind of a proof of concept. <laughs> okay, which okay. is kind of maybe where we fell flat because it was so convoluted the plan. But um, but yeah, so we 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 reached out and we we did make some money on it. Um, in now, did you the, what the platform did you use? We used Kickstarter, which probably okay, was so one of the big mistakes because okay, Kickstarter. If you don't reach your goal, you don't keep any of the money. Where there's right. there's other crowdfunding uh, platforms where you don't have to hit your goal. It's a flexible goal, and you you can kind of keep that money even if you don't reach the you know five right. grand that you wanted or something like that. Right. Um, but we used Kickstarter just because it was kind of the big thing at the time, um, and uh, we didn't reach it. And uh, honestly. In a way, I'm sort of glad that we didn't because we never actually went ahead with that movie. Um, of course, we'd all just graduated high school and some of my friends were going off to university and things like that. And um, so it was kind of one of those things where we were like, well, if we have the money to do it, we'll do it. But if we don't get the money, then we'll just not do it. And reading back on it and kind of thinking back on that project and what that would have been, I don't think it would have turned out um, you know, as well as, as we had hoped back then. I think just even reading the script now is kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that that wasn't my debut <laughs> so on the world stage. <laughs> maybe worked out for the best, which which yeah. maybe speaks a little bit to Herzog's, you know, uh, first point there that we discussed. Maybe the story wasn't strong enough. But c- can you give us any insight into why you felt like that uh, Kickstarter campaign didn't fly for you? Anything I mean, that you might have learned? What I think we didn't realize is that half of that crowdfunding stuff is marketing the crowdfunding yes um like or you can a ton of it, it is it's sort of oh, yeah exactly a ton of it and it sort of sounds ironic but you know if you're looking for five grand on kickstarter or whatever be prepared to spend you know at least a few hundred dollars on their services that will you know put you at the top of email listings or just put you on their front page and things like that or just get you get your name out on diff- different social media kind of things um, because you'll be constantly I'm not sure if you guys or if you've had the same experience with this but when I was doing that ca- crowdfunding campaign I was getting emails every single day from services that were like you know for $500 oh, yeah. we'll put you at the top of this email oh, yeah. list we get 6,000 readers and come yeah, out of the woodwork um, yeah and I think that that, you know, some of those I'm sure are, are less legitimate than others, but I'm sure some of them are very legitimate. I'm sure that there are, there are some things I don't know. that you can... Um, I question that. <laughs> well, I just, more in terms of just, just the, the, like, when it comes from actual Kickstarter. Yeah. I think just having, you know, paying to have your, your project on the front page of Kickstarter, well, yeah. I'm sure makes a huge difference. Right. Um, and so, I but mean, point, again, it kind the... of seems counterintuitive to be like, well, I'm I'm trying to make money on this platform that I am now returning that money to to, 
Yeah, but, but that's yeah. a little right. Well, it's certainly I mean, a couple points that you mentioned, you know, that you found yourself. I, I mean, it's you can find yourself spending, you know, order of magnitude greater time marketing and maintaining a crowdfunding campaign than you actually are on the film itself. So it's yeah. definitely, yeah. you know, it's it's tough, you know, and I think, you know, Herzog doesn't go into crowdfunding so much. And he just kind of. Uh, more specifically talks about uh, keeping your budget low yes, and yeah. and working within about a $10,000 budget, which is still, it's a considerable amount of money, but it is obtainable, I think, for, for most or many people. Obviously, everybody has different financial situations, of course, but $10,000 is a relatively reasonable, I mean, even if it takes a couple years for you to save that, um, might on it, you know, I think that, and this is some of the the crowdfunding thing, right? To to crowdfund ten thousand dollars might actually end up tying you up longer than it would be to just save that money on your own, um, and put that time into the story, into the film itself, as opposed to the crowdfunding campaign. But you also, you know, you're beholden to people as well. Let's not forget this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Kickstarter. So t- I mean, did you have any uh, little like swag or what were your? Did you yeah. Have, so our, yeah. our, you know, our it, it was pretty standard as far as those things go like you know if you donate 10 bucks get a poster if you whatever signed headshot of color yeah exactly can i get one of those do you still have any left i'd like one i'll contribute you should have taken one when i was down in la but uh, (laughs) oh man but um but no things like that like just you know signed and and i think as the tiers got higher you know if you donated like 500 bucks which we never got but it was one of those things where you you'd have a with an asterisk creative input and um yeah you'd get a chance to see the 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 you know working yeah. progress of the movie and things like that if you wanted to because some Boy. people wouldn't want that and just and that might be where it. things can get yeah the creative input stuff that yeah and, i mean that's tricky. the thing you kind of have to you kind of have to sell yourself out right and you not another way that i was saying but you kind of almost that like that's why i've kind of straight and never done it again um and i think have made much better movies on my own dime than i would have if i was doing kickstarter or or anything like that so let's Um, speak to that then so so the kickstarter campaign did not go through you ended up not making this film but so how how did you eventually successfully finance your first film what did that look like my first i actually have to think about what i would consider my first kind of major you know crude yeah film um not of course big crew but like something that i had other people putting their time and effort into as well um and i kind of have two of them um one of them would be a movie that i made in 2018 which was uh just me basically behind the camera and no crew for most of it and then one actor for primarily most of the movie um but i also don't really count that one because i think that that's something that you know, there wasn't a lot of logistics around what we could do with that because it was primarily shot, you know, very close to home and things like that. Well, so it wasn't let, really... But let's pause for a second on that. Let's pause for a second on that because, you know, one of the things that Herzog goes into uh, to, to a great extent on this lesson is that you really have to be smart about controlling mm-hmm. your crew and cast. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I mean, it is definitely one of the biggest ways that you can impact the... Um, affordability let's say of your project is to work with as few people as possible so i mean it sounds like that you followed this advice something that you know you you did you've taught yourself i know that you didn't go to film school right so Mm -hmm. you taught yourself uh all of these different how to operate camera how to operate sound uh, how to do lighting etc etc and 
the only thing you, you can't technically do, I guess, is be behind the camera and in front of it at the same time. So you had an you'd be actor, surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. Fair enough. If you put it on sticks, you're right. Yeah. You can. You could. You could technically. I have made short, short films, like one minute short films. That's doing tr- that, this is true. This is I, true. I think it would drive myself insane doing anything longer. Yeah, that might um, it might be pretty tough. But but I mean, I just want to use so this one of the examples. It's like okay, well, the crowdfunder thing didn't work. You you, you I want to make films. You got to just go with what you've got sometimes. And what you yeah. had was yourself and another person and you made a film so maybe this wasn't a film that had an audience or anything like that but i bet you learned a lot from it i mean i, I learned a ton it also got into um a festival in la which was kind of neat and things like yeah, that and fantastic finalist there but I, I think the other thing too and and to not to talk your ear off about about um uh, gear, because I think that that's kind of a misconception that a lot of people get into is that the gear In makes way? the film. Okay. Yeah. Or just that, that kind yeah, of like gear talk is that people are like, oh, I need the best lens. But yeah. on, on the other hand, kind of threading the needle of that conversation a bit. Yeah. Um, I knew early on uh, that no matter what I did, I wanted to primarily own most of my equipment. Um, just because I didn't like the idea of being beholden to a rental or even just borrowing somebody else's uh, gear and, you know, having to risk not being able to have that gear again if I needed to do reshoots or anything like that. Um, so I very, very early on, uh, you know, my first job that I ever worked, I was d- delivering pizzas. And uh, the reason that I was delivering pizzas was because I was like, I'm saving up for a nice camera that'll last me a few years so I can get a nice set of lenses and that can be kind of my gear when I move into bigger things and then I can also get jobs using that stuff. I can also, okay, you know, yeah. I've, so I wor- started working uh, jobs as a cinematographer for, um, you know, larger indie budgets that could, could afford to pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then using that money and kind of regurgitating it back into my own projects. Um, so when I say, you know, I totally agree with the mantra of like gear is not everything. You could make a movie on an iPhone and it could be way better than somebody who has an Alexa. But at the same time, I also, quite early on was like, you know, I want to make sure that I own this stuff, that if I'm going to invest in equipment, I'm not going to rent it. I'm going to primarily own my own camera. I'm going to, you know, own my own lighting things. And that I think really opened me up to be able to make a lot more, uh, or just, just to, to be less stressed about like, I'm beholden to somebody else, so whether it's the rental house or something like that. Yeah. Um, so on this one one person, one crew movie that I did, um, which wound up, I think, the runtime of it was about 25 minutes, um, that really came in handy because we wound up shooting it over the course of like four months. And if I had to, you know, repeatedly go back and rent that equipment, I think I just would have stressed me out and I probably would have, you know, probably would have taken longer not as a matter of financing because i think the rental costs probably would have been below what i paid for the camera yeah um but at the same time it just gave me such you know ease of mind knowing that that what i was shooting on was mine and i know you know because i know you uh i will share with the audience i mean you you have a particular interest and like especially high interest in cinematography Mm -hmm. um which not every director necessarily would so you know part part of your skill set is operating camera is doing dp work and so yeah certainly i think this makes sense for you because that's you know other directors may have less interest in mastering kind of the cinematographer side of the craft of course i think that every director should understand right Mm -hmm, should definitely have a, a base level of understanding but but you want to go above and beyond that 
And so I think it makes sense. You you have your own equipment so you can hire yourself out and you can not only do you continue to learn and refine your skills on these jobs, but you're actually to make able to make money that you can put back into your own project. So that makes sense, which where it may not make sense for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, I think I think I, I do see that a lot of people say, you know, I, I don't want to make a film until I have X, Y, Z camera or until I have this lens or until, that, you know, and I really would urge people to not do that. You know, and and it's right. It's, you know, hopefully you're always kind of working on, I'm not going to use the word networking because that's not what I mean, but that you're involved in uh, a community of fellow filmmakers in your area, in your community, because this is right. This is where you're going to go for crew and actors. But, you know, inevitably somebody's going to have gear that you can borrow. It may not be an Alexa. It may not be oh, a yeah, red, yeah. but somebody's probably going to have some equipment that you can borrow or worst case, you know, like you said, uh, most towns have some place where you can rent gear or mm-hmm. heck you can shoot something on uh, your iPhone, for example. Um, yeah. So don't let that stop you. And uh, I mean, that's exactly it, right? Is, is that had I not uh either made enough money in those jobs to to get what camera i desired or whatever i'm sure i still would have made the movie i'm sure sure that i and even in that movie i did for low light scenes borrow uh a friend of mine's sony a7 um or say a7s uh, right whatever the really good low light one is yeah yeah i think Um, they're they're mirrorless yeah little small body camera yeah so without a doubt um you know i think that's the the lesson kind of for me is like you look at every single avenue that you can possibly take and do not be afraid to take, 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 you know, be polite about it, but don't be, don't be afraid to, you know, go into a store even and just kind of ask, Hey, you know, do you mind if I shoot here when you guys close? Or do you mind if I, you know, maybe I can trade off a a promotional video for you guys and you guys can let me shoot in here. Things like that are so important and to have the confidence to do that. But let's go back. I want to ask, so what was, so that whatever it is that you consider your first film, how did you eventually, how did you finance? Did you self-finance that? What did you yes. do? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, and what entirely was self-financed. If you don't um, mind, what was the budget roughly? Thinking back on about probably four or five grand. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. and what was your experience with that? I mean, so you've put your own money into it. Um, I, I Just tell us a little bit about that experience. Did you put together a budget beforehand? Like, how did you kind of know that that was what you wanted to save? Or was it the other way around where it, no, was, it was like, okay, I've got four or five grand. I'm going to make the film I can make. I mean, that. I was working at the time that I was doing it, right? I was um, actively yeah. working. I was essentially, okay. and I think that that's another misconception that people make is that they think that the budget up front, you get the money and then you make the movie. Whereas so many indie films, you're you're basically making the money as you make the movie. So this um, is a good point. This is a good point. If you're in control, you're not beholden to anybody. And if you kind of, you know, if your crew is small, your cast is small, so that you kind of know that they're going to be around, you can make a film over time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's again, that even like you just said, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, that keeping things small like that means you're less dependent on a larger group of people. Um, and keeping things local means that you're less dependent on locations and uh, you're more likely to know people in the area who are willing to, you know, let you shoot in their house for an afternoon or something like that. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, so I didn't have a budget out from the outset. I, I didn't even really have, you know, going back to what we were sort of talking about in the last episode, I didn't even really have a script for it. I had a treatment mm-hmm. and um, I made a master shot list. So I knew every shot in the movie, what we needed to get. And it was something like a few hundred shots. And um, 
I just kind of, you know, we just started making it. We yeah. literally just went out and how long had did a shot it take you? And, how long did that take you roughly? Oh, geez. I think I started in, um, you know, production in like from pre to, to post-production. I think I started uh, in April of 2018 and uh, the movie didn't actually come out until June of 2019. So that's actually um, not even that bad. It's yeah, like, no, it, I've heard that, of, I've heard much longer, but well, uh, and I, you know, even looking at Herzog's films, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's so. I think it's it's if you sometimes it's easy to kind of get caught up in thinking that most other successful films are made all in one go or very quickly. And it is almost always not the case. You know, we yeah. talked last episode about Herzog writing a script in five days. Well, he may write a script in five days, but it takes him five years to get the film made. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just, you know, so sometimes it can be really disheartening. So I just kind of want to like maybe put a little love out there into the audience and just, you know, if you're a filmmaker and and you're struggling, you've been working on trying to bring um, a, you know, a script to screen or bring a story to an audience for years and years and years, understand, remember that that's, this is common. This is, this is completely status quo. Uh, it, it takes years often to bring a feature film to, to total fruition. So, mm-hmm. you know, try not to get like, you know, even our, our legendary hero Herzog here um, has had films that have taken him years and years to film, to, to film. So a big part of that is financing. So, and just, it's a really good, I think sometimes when you, you know, you, you hear Herzog say, you know, save up 10, 10 grand and then make a movie. Eh, maybe it's save up a few hundred dollars and shoot for a weekend. And then save up a few hundred more dollars and shoot another weekend. And, you know, uh, I think as long as you're planning, uh, you can completely make this work. I've seen and it I, work. I've, I, done I, it, even, I've done it myself. So, And it's even like I think people forget that that a lot of the things that go in, like oftentimes the actual shooting of the movie can take less time than the preparation or oh, post-production by work. And, oh, and by so, far. I mean, even on um, so this 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 feature that's coming up, the the first one that... that uh, I'm actually in the director's chair for is uh, oh wait no we don't have director's chairs on Her- Herzog's set forget that's I said right um, right come on man <laughs> but um, you stand you stand. know I'm I'm really lucky to have two Barefoot producers on this on that... broken glass <laughs> exactly with maggots eating maggots <laughs> oh jeez um, but uh, but I'm really lucky to have two producers on this that have kind of uh, alleviated the burden of having to wear all the hats as the director on that and that that's really really helpful but at the same time you know we're we're getting into this this kind of pre-pre-production kind of mode right now where we're mm-hmm. um, looking at budget and we're looking at what equipment do we have, what equipment do we need to rent. Perfect um, segue. Who's going to be in it. Let's talk um, about budgets. Let's talk yeah, about budgets yeah, totally. a bit. Because that's definitely, you know, um, something that uh, that Herzog speaks to quite a bit here in this lesson, I think. And it really is important. And I, I, I think a lot of creative people don't want to be accountants. And boy, I don't blame them. I don't mm-hmm. want to be an accountant. It's not fun. It really isn't. <laughs> uh, but I think I agree with Herzog that it is so vital that, you know, if if this is your story, if this is your baby, right? So I'm assuming that this is, you're, you're not just a director for hire, right? If we're talking about Herzog, people are interested in Herzog, then I'm assuming it's you've likely written the script or co-written the script and you're wanting yes, to I've been direct, involved in the vision, creative process, right? yeah. It's like yeah. you, right, this is your baby, I mean, you've got to take that ownership all the way through into budget. 
And mm -hmm. it's ideally, it's great if you can hire somebody, hire a producer who has experience working with film budgets. This is It's great to, to partner up with somebody like that. It's not always possible. There aren't generally people like that with that experience that you're going to know in a casual relationship. Or even that be willing to do who's it. Who's willing right? to yeah. do this for free yeah. because it's it's just not, you know, this generally, it's not like uh, actors, for example. You know, you can often find an actor who will work for free because they want to work and which just I'm not su real I'm not suggesting <laughs> that you should make a habit of hiring people for free. I think that people yeah. should be paid, but you understand my point here. Um, and so, but but so likely on your first projects, it's you and uh, it may have to be completely responsible for the budget. And it is so important. And uh, whether it's your money or not, it's equally important. I just always kind of see it as my money. I, actually, even more, if people have invested in my film, my responsibility to them is even higher than it would be to myself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you really, and again, we talked about creative problem solving in our last episode. Certainly this carries through to this, but educate yourself on how to uh, maintain budgets on a film. And really, I think you talked about negotiating with locations and offering promotion opportunities and, you know, co-opt marketing kind of things. I mean, yeah, it's uh, get creative and don't be afraid to ask and beg, borrow. And Herzog says steal. I'm I'm not going to suggest people steal here. He 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 has mentioned that you know. Go Our steal lawyers are telling us to disavow that. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but um, but you know, I mean, hey, uh, I'm okay with stealing shots. I don't have a problem stealing shots. I've stolen yeah. a lot of shots. But uh, when you live in Los Angeles, you kind of you know have to. I think they require permits for practically shooting Everything. in your own home. Yeah. So yeah. you know, but um. But let me go. But yeah, so it's it is important. Now, on your film, did you maintain on that one project? Did you maintain a budget at all, or did you learn anything about kind of how to manage resources? Um, no, <laughs> no I think <laughs> I think a big part of that. Oh, I think oh I, darn it! You just shot down, like everything that I just. I said. did on the next on the next on one, the next one. Okay, um, on this one, um, because it was so. Uh, I don't want to say loosey goosey, but it was very very loose you casual. know because it was because kind of casual, yeah. the one per you know and i was very lucky that the one main actor that was working with me uh, there were other actors in it that were very brief roles but the mm -hmm. one main actor that was in the entire thing was just as passionate about it as i was so there was no issue with um having to worry about you know any sort of like it kind of in a in a negative sense almost alleviated the logistics out of my my brain because i didn't have to worry about any of that i kind of could just be like yeah you know what we'll just go out and do this wherever because i know that he's gonna be fine with spending you know all night just walking around some streets getting shots mm -hmm. um the next film i did which was bigger than this um shorter runtime but but much larger in terms of uh it was a period piece and things like that so we actually needed costumes and things like that. that was where especially because i was working at that point with a team of people as opposed to just myself, um, kind of on the, as the creative kind of locomotive there. Um, I was working with a, with a team of people and we had actors who were giving their time to work with us. Uh, we had, you know, people saying, come shoot on our farm, um, with our real cows and things like that. It was a Western. So Wait, real um, cows. Yeah, real cows, not, not fake cows. Not fake cows? No, 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 that, not those fake that, cows that you see. That's uh... what we call production value, <laughs> yeah. Colin, real cows. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but even, I mean, I think that's where I really, you know, like you said, stealing shots. Like I spent, I think, more of that day shooting just shots of the cows than I did shooting actors. And I got some really great, really <laughs> funny shots of cows that are in the movie. 
um, that uh, we, we, up in the we movie. We could totally divert here and talk about Herzog's filming of animals. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yes. it, it, we could, which is a very common theme. We won't, we won't. But I just want to point out, is this like something that you share with Herzog? I could just imagine you, Colin. <laughs> I don't know if this is the way that my, my brain works, but I just imagine you with your with your black magic mini Ursa and you're sitting out in the field and you've got a cow there and you're like trying to direct it, you know, okay, a little to the left. Show <laughs> me your eyes. Show me the soul. <laughs> no, I mean, it was like yesterday. I, I heard that there were wild turkeys in the uh, forest near my house and I literally yeah. grabbed my camera and ran out and started getting video of these wild turkeys. Cause oh my like, goodness. These oh things my goodness. are too funny. I'm going to use those somewhere. I know. But, um, but okay. So sorry. I did not mean to, to like take you, <laughs> take you off the track there, but, um, so you were saying so this, so yeah this on that on that production were, I was much yeah. more beholden to others yeah um, and I think that in my mind got me much more thinking about you know we actually kind of we had a a, a little bit of a preliminary budget um, nothing again nothing like concrete but we had you know okay we want to buy we need a zoom lens and again I was thinking you know I'd much rather just buy one than than rent one and we're not going to get a cine one because those are thousands of dollars so we got. I think we put set aside 500 bucks for this Canon 18 to 135, which actually mm-hmm. worked wonders for the price that it is. It's a fantastic lens. You know, it's not a fixed aperture or anything like that, but works great. And, um, right. But, you know, we put, so we put aside money for that. Um, we had even, you know, sort of, less related to budget, but more in terms of the logistics of production. Um, we spoke to um, landowners, people that had like large swaths of forest. Um, we mm. spoke to um, a old uh, historic pioneer house down the road from where I live um, about possibly shooting there. That wound up uh, being out of our budget, but um, it was things like that that we were kind of thinking about, even you know, in terms of like needing insurance for something like that, where right. that conversation came up. Um, and and things like contacting provincial parks you know one of the a lot of the movie was actually shot at a provincial park and so being able to contact those places and saying you know can we shoot can we get a permit to kind of go in there and shoot um or do we just go in there guerrilla style and kind of sneak our equipment in and and get things like that so lots of things like that that come down to the indie film way of of doing it well i i mean i would highly recommend you know from my experience i mean even when you're when you're setting out to to shoot your first short films you know, I would, and, and we're, you, you know, even then, it's just you and a few friends. Uh, there's likely not a, a lot of items there that are going to cost you money. But it's important, I think, to start just getting in the habit. So whether if all you've got is, you know, the, the five pizzas that you're buying, you know, in it for an evening of shooting, and that's your budget, I would always recommend getting in the habit of of keeping track of this stuff yeah, certainly yeah. certainly as your crew as your crew and your cast size increase and especially as you jump into working with union actors i mean you know you definitely and you're spending your own money and especially if you're spending someone else's money and especially if you're doing crowdfunding or something your accounting is going to be vital yeah. and again it's not that you necessarily have to be that accountant but it's important for you to understand and to be a part of that because it definitely i you know can happen where like herzog mentions you know he uses an example of one of the films he was working on and the the costume department had you know duplicates and triplicates of costumes even for background actors and he's like no 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 we yeah, don't why the hell would we yeah yeah right we don't exactly. need this and you know because those things can happen um so it's it's to take responsibility for that and and make sure that you're going through these things is is really important and you don't want to lose 
you know, not that you're making filmmaking all about making money, but this is just an important reality. If you're asking for people to invest in you, you've got to act in a professional, responsible manner. You've got to be a a a reliable, responsible custodian of those investments. And, and yeah. frankly, frankly, you should, you know, I mean, you should be treating yourself with that much respect too. If it's if it's your money, I mean, you you know, you should be. A responsible custodian of your own funds as well, but I mean, I I think that it's it's so important about setting your your reputation and setting expectations. And Herzog mentions, and I think he takes great pride in this, that he comes in under budget on his films, and he works in his contracts to be bonused on that. Uh, and it's clear that he takes pride in this. And I think we should all strive to be that way. There's like stories of you know of directors who are you know going millions and millions and millions of dollars over budget and these are kind of like these fantastical stories and well you know it's like i mean i can't remember if this is actually the case but i feel like coppola in apocalypse now comes to mind i think didn't he have to like put yeah his he own went house? way over he yeah, went yeah. just way over budget and, and even like, you know, spielberg on jaw what's funny about spielberg on jaws too is that was he went over budget and over schedule and then never did it again on any other movie i think it was just such a learning point. experience for him that he never yeah, he, he took that responsibility afterwards to never let that happen. Never again. let that happen. But I think sometimes it's romanticized, right? Yes. It's like yeah. This, yeah. You know, yeah. it's ro- almost romanticized. But I would really urge people to start from the very beginning, uh, even on your smallest projects, and keep track of how much you spend on it, um, and get in the habit of that. And, and I, I mean, when you mentioned the thing about the tech, or uh, the uh, you know, n- nobody wanted to be their own accountant, and that's not being that's not fun. You know, yeah. to be be your. I I to me what is kind of a blessing and a curse is that I hate doing that stuff, but I can't not. I have to have my mind on budget. And I think that makes anybody really producer friendly. Um, oh, I think absolutely. That makes you really marketable because even on, again, on this feature yep. right now, I'm coming up with, you know, the numbers that we need for, for you know, even just something as simple as like, okay, we'll need three C stands with boom poles. Um, we can get those for, you know, a thousand bucks and things like that. Just coming up with, with numbers like that right. um, and and making sure that you're on top of it. And I think the reason why and what, you know, in lieu of hopefully what, or not in lieu, in line with what you've been saying um, is because it, it is kind of the flowing blood of your production. You know, it is the, it, and not to say it's the DNA because, you know, let's not put so much emphasis on money, right. but um, it is the flowing blood of yeah. your production. And I think that you need to acknowledge that and you need to have your fingers in that at all times and be able to, Cut costs wherever you can. It's a great analogy. Um, and be but, educated. Yeah. Understand. I mean, Herzog talks about understanding the cost of, you know, even a camel, you know, in another yeah, country. Yeah. And I think it really does. You're right. You you mentioned the producer friendly. I think that's so key and investor friendly. Um, don't romanticize this thing where you're, you know, all you're a director and all you care about is the story and, you know, all these other things be damned. I just don't think this is realistic and I... Uh, it certainly is not going to endear you to... And it'll harm and, your career. It'll probably. harm your career. But it's so... Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and look, it's... <laughs> life is suffering. You don't like numbers? Uh, suck it up. If you want to be a filmmaker, I think you really uh, owe it to yourself to get out there and learn. Mm-hmm. And of, we're not going to go into, like, the details of film accounting and budgeting. There are so many places that you can go online and uh, even get templates, uh, budgeting templates and things like this where you can, it's, so there's, and there's books written on this in the whole nine. So we don't necessarily need to go into the logistics of how to do that. Those things are available for you, but just the importance of it. Um, and it's, uh, I think it will be, it, it, it gives you 
just a, a just one more layer of I think power uh, mm-hmm. as a director to have command over that to be able to speak to your investors and producers from a place of knowledge about this. It's just, I mean, it really does. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Most of the difference. time you hear about these, these directors that, you know, their careers kind of fall flat or, or um, kind of fade away, fade away or something like that. It's, it's you, you hear about the set stories of them. And most often, more often than not, it's, it's, it's lack of communication between producers or the studio. And there's certainly a, such a thing as like studio interference of, of studios overstepping their bounds. But even then, you know, you got to think again, who's financing the movie? Um, right. And, even if and, it's just like your family, right? Like, I, like yeah. for instance, uh, you know, I, we've got a film now. It's called The Devil, Devil Circle. That's in pre-production. It's a horror movie based on an East Coast legend about this. Well, I don't need to. Uh, this starts to sound like a plug. But my point is, you know, it's like we're going to we, – we have a – uh, a crowdfunding thing on WeFunder, but you know a lot of these investors are are investors that the producers of this film know personally, and I know a, a lot of people. I think um, you know, uh, well, I don't want to use that specific example specific example because I'm not sure, but there are definitely examples of people, filmmakers who have gone to you know their friends and family and their community and ask for money from these people. My goodness, I mean, do you want to be the person that asks your friends and family for money yeah. and then doesn't yeah. respect that? I mean, come on, you know, it. Uh, <laughs> and I it's think, like, uh, even if it's not a studio, um, I mean, it, it should be a badge of honor that you would hopefully be proud to wear that you are a responsible, educated person when it comes to the finances of your and film. And because then they're more likely to help you out again, right? Of course, and I yeah. Think, I think, um, you know, even to, to talk a little bit about that too in specifics, um, the, so for a, a great example of this is um, the, so the, the feature that I'm working on right now um, is actually a feature adaptation of a short film that I made last year um, that I was the direct that's that's an example of basically director for hire where I, I came into that project not having written any of the script mm-hmm. um, and just directed it and wound up liking that so much that I kind of got myself involved in uh, kind of firsthand in in making this into a, a film but the thing is that the lead actor um, in that movie we shot it at his parents house um, and it was a short film. It was, it took us two weekends to shoot in the middle of February. It was a lot of fun. It was probably one of the you know best shooting experiences I've ever had. Um, and when we were starting up production on this, um, and we were figuring out locations and just the kind of very, very basic logistics of the movie, um, that actor sort of said, you know, why don't we, I mean, he's still involved in the project and he sort of said, why don't we shoot it at, um, you know, my parents' house again, why don't we just use that? We have that location. And on one hand, I thought, that's good. You know, we, we have a location. We don't have to worry about renting it. Um, but then there's also a certain point where I kind of call it like the bird jumping out of the nest, um, mm-hmm. where I felt myself and the producers agreed that, you know, let's take a step further and let's try and get a location that we can call our own, even though it's going to be yeah. more expensive and technically more risky. Yep. Um, you know, there's a point, I think, in indie filmmaking, especially where you do where kind you of become have a to... professional. Yeah, and you've got to take that leap of faith and kind of go, you know what, we could um, follow, you know, for example, Herzog's advice to a T where we, we utilize that house. We know that they're, his parents will be happy to have us there, completely fine with it. But at the same time, I don't want to be beholden to anybody. Um, and yeah. every time we have shot there, there has been in this in the back of my head, like if we're shooting late at night, it's like, God damn, you know, I really don't want to keep these people up. I don't want to make too much noise. And so I'd just much rather have the experience of being somewhere else and having that location be your own. Um, and I think that's that's the idea, is cheap is great, 
try and do things and save as much money as you can. But also don't be so adamant to be cheap that you're you're cutting money on things that may make your production better. Be prepared well, to invest a little bit of more money into something that may make a big difference just like that, like, like getting a location. Yeah. And and to respect the, the collaborators on your film and to, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's important. Whenever, you know, uh, I would agree, right? Be Save money wherever you can, but I don't think Herzog doesn't pay the people in his films. I mean, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and this is something that I've seen so much is that even at surprisingly larger budgets, I've got you know filmmakers are are asking actors or asking crew to work for free, or work deferred, yes. which ends up becoming free. Yeah. And 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 I you know I think I would really strongly suggest to move away from that. I mean even if it's you know I've done short films that I maybe had you know similar budget like you maybe 4 or 5 grand and I paid everybody on it um it, it's it, and even, even if it's just even like if an it's, honorarium even if it's $100 a day yeah. right even if yeah. it's $100 a day or it's gas money certainly with catering and with food but I feel like it, it really is an important step and, and for numerous reasons. And I, you kind of hinted towards like the psychological impact of like, I, I want to step away from amateur and move into professional. And, you know, yes, we could shoot in, in your parents' home, but I want to be able to control the space. It's, you know, I, I'm going to pay money and we're going to move into a space that, that we can control, that we've paid for. And um, I think that has a psychological impact, right? It's like you start to feel like this is less of, you know, a gang of friends and we're just doing this for fun. And that elevates it to we're still friends, but, you know, it's like we're we're professionals and yeah. this and, is I mean, a it, job. And this it is immediately a, you know, elevated the whole thing, yeah. too. Like we immediately had a friend of ours who is a theater technician. So, you know, stage theater technician and does lighting for that. Yeah. immediately came to us when he found out that we were doing this this kind of thing and, and i had a chance to talk to him and he said you know i'd love to help out as a grip you know um and even a lot of times i think a lot of people also and they will thank you forever for this will come in and say don't pay me i don't want to make any money on this i'm i'm just here because i want to help out if you still pay those people they will be thankful to you forever because that just means that you are paying them for their time Right. Um, And again, like you said, even if it's just gas money, even if it's just a small honorarium of $100 a day or something like that, um, you're going to build yourself a bigger network and you're also going to... And you'll have, yeah. I think it really makes a difference. The likelihood that you make money on it goes down with all of that. But as Herzog said, it's money lost, film gained. Wow. That's... Just kudos on that segment, Colin. That was just uh, just amazing. I know. I should be a I should be a radio wow. announcer for that one. <laughs> hey, what, man? You should have your own podcast. I, uh, but you know, you're right, and and also I think you know, and it elevates everybody's game. I just you know, as an actor, having been on that side of it, and the difference that it makes is it's it's difficult to overemphasize how important even at a hundred dollars a day the difference it makes when i walk onto a set and i'm being paid mm-hmm. versus yeah. i walk onto a set and i'm working there for free or quote unquote you know credit which or, you one know, of makes me which makes exposure. my head explode <laughs> or ex- exposure because yeah. first of all uh what kind of exposure or credit do you think I'm getting from your film project if you don't even have, you know, the wherewithal to pay people who are working on it. Uh, it's probably not going to amount to much. But, you know, the difference that it makes between getting being paid 
and not being paid is, I mean, literally the definition of professional is that you're paid for what you do. And it just makes such a difference to know that you are valued by the production. So I would strongly, strongly urge all of you filmmakers out there um, to do whatever it's, is possible, whatever you need to do to pay, even if it's a small amount of money, everybody that works on your film set, uh, mm-hmm. except yourself, except yourself. Uh, if you have to, you should be the first person you don't pay. Um, but even then, I mean, the goal is, ho- is hopefully that you are bring value to a project and that you deserve to be paid too. So I mean, there's yeah. certainly nothing wrong with that. You know, it's ideally you're being, you're able to make a living doing, uh, what you love. So, but, but yeah, I love that money, money lost film gained. And, you know, I just want to, I have heard so many people say, don't ever put your own money into a film project. Oh my gosh. Don't ever put your own money into a film project. Well, I guess it depends on what your intentions are going into it in the first place. I mean, I I think that if it's your story and if if it's your passion, if you have this a burning desire to tell this story, then there's then and the, and that is the goal. The goal is to tell the story. The goal is not to get rich or to make money or to be famous. If your goal is to tell the story, then you should absolutely put your own money into it because mm-hmm. that the point is to tell the story. And so I don't see anything wrong with it. If you're using film as a way to to try to like play some kind of market and make money, and a, and if you're worried about ROI and all these kind of things, then you know, yeah, probably putting money into a film is not going to bring you any of those things because such few films make money. Um, but if your goal is to is to make film, then money lost is okay, and there, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's, 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 to me, it's like an investment of your own. Um, and not only, and not only maybe not an investment to make a return, but an investment in your own career. Um, and it gets, you know, and, and if you work hard enough at it and you do it, um, regularly enough and you kind of develop that skill set, it gets really exciting when you get to a point where you go, Hey, I might actually be able to make money on this thing. (laughs) it, it, It kind of, you know, you reach that point and you go, cool you know yeah I'm, I'm, well, I'm here and... and it's a cliche it's a cliche but the journey versus the destination mm-hmm. and you know if you want to be a filmmaker all you have to do to do that is to make films and how i always think about it too is it would be even if i didn't want to do it as a career it would still be a hobby of mine and there are a lot of people who spend a lot more money on their hobbies <laughs> like a race the greatest car, thing maybe? about yeah, <laughs> like auto yeah. racing maybe yeah. but there's the greatest part about this hobby is that it is a hobby i can make money with even if it wasn't you know even if i wasn't doing it as a career i could still yeah. like it's one of the only very few hobbies can can make a return of actual monetary value and not that you should be going into it with that only on your mind but but it does have that benefit, like, and that's why I think it's so silly when, like you said, I hear people say, like, never put money into your own project, blah, 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 never invent. And yeah. it's like, I'm putting money into it because that's what I like to do, you know, even if I don't make a return. And that, and that, and, and that really should be, I think, the primary motivator, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's something that you should you should enjoy the process. And if you, let's say you took Herzog's advice and you spent $10,000 to make a feature film uh, and you made a feature film and uh you had that as your end result regardless of whether it breaks you into hollywood or returns you thousands and thousands of dollars because you sold it to netflix or whatever the case may be i mean to have a feature film 
$10,000, I mean, how, how much film school is $10,000? It's probably not much at almost any film school you could yeah. ever, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, that's pennies. The amount you will learn from that and the, the people you will meet and the experience you will have, I think, um, yeah, I, I, so I'm totally in disagreement with people and, who and, say don't put your own money in. And uh, I, 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 you know, some of the, the most extraordinary, wonderful experiences I've had personally have been, you know, being part of a, a film uh, crew and or, or cast and working on these things. And it was, I mean, it, you know, paying for like a fancy vacation to Hawaii wouldn't have been more enjoyable. So for me, it's no problem. And uh, when the script is right and the story is there, I, it's, I completely agree with Herzog on this. Mm-hmm. And I think even then it's, it's, you know, the, one of the final things he says in this, um, this lesson is kind of, you know, what is your excuse? Even if you don't have 10 K, yeah. what is your excuse right now with the technology that's available yeah. for not going out? And even, you know, there are a lot of movies I've made that will probably never be seen by anybody. Um, but it's okay. I still, you know, pick up a camera, go out, go outside and just, Herzog's just start first few films stuff. I don't think have ever been seen by anybody. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, so it's, you know, you've got to learn somehow. Exactly. Yep. Pick up. What your are the phone. excuses of of not of not? And that was kind of what again when I coming out of high school when I when I graduated was kind of thinking like you know I'm not going to film school, um, so I'm going to be working even if it's not getting paid, even if it's not like working a job, I'm going to be with my camera as much as I can be, um, just shooting everything and and just learning that uh, learning that experience and stuff like that. Do you do you ever do you, do you put your camera like on the other side of the bed? Like, do you lay it on the pillow? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is my camera on right now? <laughs> I love it. My I, webcam. I, I love it, man. I love it. All I've right, got a wig well, on it right now, but <laughs> awesome. I want to see some pictures. We're, we're going to post some pictures to the to the website for the podcast of that one. Um, awesome. Well, I think you know, money lost, film gained, experience gained, adventures had. Uh, I mean. I, I think this is what life's all about. So, mm -hmm. all right. Well, on that note, I think we're about to wrap it up here. Colin, do you have any last final thoughts or words? No, anything think... that you, you've you expressed at all? No, I think I've got it all out. All right. That's, that's well, there. Ev all right. Well, everybody, we hope that you enjoyed our, our podcast today on Herzog's Masterclass Lesson 5 about financing films. We wish you all the best in whatever projects you're trying to finance right now. And, um, and yeah, keep shooting. All right, until yeah. next time, where we'll cover Lesson 6. Everybody have a wonderful week. Cullen, thank you so much, as always. Oh, thank you. All right, until next time, we'll see you on the flip side.